God, thank you for our worship team. God, thank you for the time that they committed to be here an extra night. God, bless them for that. God, thank you for the worship that was just had in this place. God, linger with us a little longer. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. God, I pray that you speak louder than I speak. I pray that your voice is clearer than my voice. God, teach us tonight. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, it's February, the love month, and I know that can produce within us all a variety of emotions. Maybe you love Valentine's Day. Maybe you're looking forward to Valentine's Day. Maybe you are dreading it. Maybe you feel totally indifferent towards it for one reason or another. Maybe you've been married a lot of years and the Valentine's Days don't look a lot different now. Um, But regardless of how we feel about it, The fact remains that the world places a big emphasis on love and the importance of it and the need for it. And I'll level with you. I think that's for good reason. I do. Because I think whether or not people want to believe in God or not, the truth is that God created us with both the capacity to love and the desire to be loved. So I think that that's normal that we feel that way, but the primary reason that he created us that way was not just to draw us to one another, but to draw us first and foremost to himself, right? Um, the, the love that we have for each other, it's a great blessing and it's a great plus in our lives, but it will never be the primary source of satisfaction for us in the love department. And when we place that kind of expectation on the relationships that we have in our life, on even our spouses, then those relationships are always going to fall short. They're always going to miss the mark a little bit. But the good news, the good news is that we have a father who is love. 1 John 4.8 says that God is is love. And I love that because it's not just saying that he is loving or that he shows love or has love. It's saying that he is love, which implies like in totality, he is love. And that struck me in such a different way as I was studying and preparing for tonight. And honestly, I'm not sure if we can fully grasp that or not. The fact that he is love in our simple, finite human minds. I'm not sure if we can fully grasp it, but I'll tell you what. I have been boldly praying that tonight he would help us grasp it a little bit more than we do. That he would help us understand a little bit deeper than we do just how much he loves us. And the fact that he is love. He doesn't just have love. He doesn't just show love. He is love. And nothing can separate us from his love. So I know that we just prayed, I know, but I'm going to pray one more time, and I'm going to ask him to do that tonight. God, I thank you that you are love. God, I don't even know fully what that means, even after studying and preparing for this whole message. So God, I just pray that you would illumine our minds to your truth right now, that we would see in a different way than we ever have before how much you love us and how deep that love goes and the depths that you will go for us. God, help us to understand that tonight. God, bind our wandering hearts to thee. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Well, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hosea. Hosea. Naturally, Hosea is kind of the go-to book if you want to talk about love. It is this autobiographical epic love story, right? Fictional books have been written about Hosea. Movies have even been filmed about the book of Hosea. And it's just because it's so good. It's so good. And I've taught on Hosea before, but tonight I want to teach on it from a different perspective. Tonight I want to focus mostly on the perspective of Gomer. Because here's the thing, y'all. We are all Gomer sometimes. Maybe you're sitting in here tonight and you have no earthly idea what I'm talking about. You don't know who Gomer is and you don't know who Hosea is. If that's you, that's okay. I'm going to catch you up to speed really quick. The book of Hosea is this tiny book in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet. Minor doesn't mean it's less important. It just means it's little. And it's about a man named Hosea who was one of God's prophets. And he was a prophet to Israel at a time when Israel had turned their back on the Lord. You see, pride had crept into the nation of Israel, and we all know that pride is a root sin, right? That means it leads to a lot of other sins, and that's what happened to Israel. They got prideful, and then the next thing we know, they violated their covenant of faithfulness to the Lord, and then they started engaging in flagrant idolatry worship. And then they started setting up alliances with pagan nations. And they started relying on these pagan nations for their provision and for their security when they used to rely on the Lord for those things. So God calls Hosea to prophesy to that nation that because of what they're doing, judgment is coming, discipline is coming. But he also wants Hosea to assure them that once they repent, that God was going to redeem them with his compassionate and redeeming love. So that was Hosea's task. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? Well, here was the catch. Hosea wasn't just called to speak this prophetic message. He was called to actually live this message out in his personal life. You'll see what I mean. Let's go to Hosea chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 2 tonight. Um, I think it'll be on the screen. You'll notice tonight we're literally taking it one to two verses at a time very slowly in here. But Hosea chapter 1 verse 2 says this. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife. And children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he tells Hosea, hey Hosea, I want you to go and marry a woman who is not going to be faithful to you. And I want you to have children with her. And the crazy thing is, Hosea does it. Hosea obeys the Lord and he goes and he takes a woman named Gomer to be his wife. I don't know about you all, but I feel like she drew the short straw in the name department. There's probably a reason why we don't know a lot of female gomers today, but he chose Gomer. 
And he married her. And there's a lot of different opinions about whether Gomer was promiscuous before their marriage or only during their marriage. I tend to lean to the view that I think she was prior to and during because chapter 2 talks about how she relied on her sexuality for her livelihood. It was how she provided for herself. So she's often thought of as a prostitute. And whether or not all those details are exactly how they think that we are, Scripture does make it very clear that Gomer was indeed unfaithful to Hosea. And as I was studying this book, so when I'm studying, especially if I'm going to teach on a passage, I try to read it like I've never read it before. Like I'm starting with a blank slate. Like this is the first time I've read it. Even if it's not, I try to think of it that way. And so as I was reading it this time, I was like, you know, why? Like, Lord, why? Why have Hosea do this? I mean, couldn't he just have prophesied this message like all your other prophets did? You know, why make him do this? He loved you. He was one of the very few people out of your chosen people, God, who was loving you and who was following after you, and yet you still wanted, allowed him to go through this. Why? And after some study and some prayer, the Lord faithfully reminded me that sometimes you can't speak about it effectively until you have lived through it intensely. Sometimes you cannot speak about it effectively until you have lived through it intensively. Hosea needed to better understood, understand the heart of God in order to carry out his mission as prophet effectively. Hosea needed to understand betrayal in order to prophesy about betrayal. Hosea needed to understand the pain of unfaithfulness in order to effectively and passionately call the people back to faithfulness. So he lives this out. After he and Gomer have been married some time, they have children, and, and she leaves Hosea. And she's unfaithful to Hosea. Now we're going to jump into Hosea chapter 3, and we're going to go to verse 1. Verse 1. This is Hosea speaking, and he says, The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as though the Lord loves the Israelites even though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. There must have been something about those raisin cakes, y'all. Must have been something about those. But so God is now like, okay, Hosea, go and take her back. Go again and go get her. I want you to notice that he is not like, hey, Hosea, when she comes back, take her back. That's not what he says. He's like, Hosea, I want you to go again and go get her. If I would have been Hosea, and I'm betting Hosea probably felt this way, I would have been like, God, I, she's not even sorry yet. You know, she's not even sorry yet. She hasn't even come back on her own, and you want me to go get her? And God's like, yes. And then I would have been like, don't, don't you see like how she has betrayed me? How she's humiliated me? How she had undoubtedly broken his heart? And God was like, yes, I understand. Go again. Go again. 
You see, Hosea had to live out exactly what God himself had been doing with the people of Israel. God was going yet again to a people who had turned their backs on him repeatedly, and they weren't even sorry yet. But God was calling them back to himself. He was warning them through his prophets. He was calling them back through judgment and through discipline, despite their betrayal, despite their unfaithfulness. And I cannot help but believe that Hosea understood the heart of God a lot better as he was walking through this himself in his personal life. What is God asking you to live out right now? Think about your life in your current circumstances. What is God asking you to live out right now that you're saying, Lord, why? Like, don't you see that I love you? Don't you see that I'm the one trying to follow you? Like, why am I having to go through this right now? Sometimes he calls us to live through difficult circumstances so that we can come to know his heart in a deeper way and then we can communicate it more effectively to others who he is. I'm a foster parent now. It's weird to officially be able to say that. I'm a foster parent. The Lord has brought us the most precious child. And I am well aware how hard this process is going to be. But am I really? Do I really know how hard this process is going to be? I haven't lived it out yet. Sometimes people will ask me, Tara, how are you going to handle this? You know, I have a big heart. If you haven't noticed this about me, i got a lot of emotions bottled up inside this body. And people will ask me, Tara, how, how are you going to handle this? When he's yours to love and, and nurture one moment, and then the next minute, he's not anymore. And what I want to say, and what I sometimes do say, is I don't know. I don't know. But I do believe with my whole heart that the Lord will sustain me through it. But that may not mean a lot right now. Because I haven't lived it out fully yet. But once he has sustained me through it, and I'm saying that in faith, once he has sustained me through it, I'll be able to communicate it effectively because I will have lived it out intensely. And I cannot help but believe that through this process with that precious little boy, I will come to know the heart of God in a deeper way. I will understand the heart of a father who leaves the 99 to go after the one like we just sang about. I will understand that he is a father to the fatherless. I will understand the one who literally sacrifices everything for us, expecting nothing in return. I'll come to know him better through it, but I haven't lived it out fully yet. And maybe, maybe you haven't either. Maybe you're smack dab in the middle of your circumstances and you just haven't lived it out fully yet. Yet. Ask yourself, what's he trying to teach you about his heart through it? What is he trying to teach you about who he is through your current circumstances? Even if they're not necessarily bad, I guarantee you he's still trying to teach you something about who he is. But if they are a little rough, your circumstances, it's nice to try to learn quickly. That way you can move on to some different circumstances, right? What is he trying to teach you about who he is? One thing that stuck out to me most as I studied the book of Hosea this time was that God 
understands betrayal. God understands heartbreaking unfaithfulness. Have you ever thought about that before? Man, it struck me this time like it never has before. All throughout Scripture, the marriage union is used as a metaphor for the relationship between God and his people. That is not a coincidental metaphor, right? The relationship between God and his people is a covenant relationship, much like marriage, except even deeper than marriage. And yet, all throughout these pages, God's bride turns her back on him over and over again. He understands betrayal. And if you've gone through that, if you've gone through hurt, if you've gone through unfaithfulness, if you've gone through betrayal, maybe, maybe in a relationship, maybe in a friendship, maybe in a work situation, whatever that is, as you go to the Lord with that pain that that situation has brought you, understand that he understands And as you go to him with it, let that bring you comfort as you take your broken heart to the one who can actually put it back together again. He understands what that's like. God tells Hosea, go again. You want to understand my heart, Hosea? Then go again. Now I want to switch gears for a moment. Let's talk about Gomer for a few minutes, okay? Anybody else thinking, Gomer, what are you thinking? Like, why are you doing this, Gomer? Like, you don't have to use your, your sexuality for your livelihood anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore, Gomer. You have a husband who loves you, who is a man of integrity. He will provide for you. Why run back to the emptiness of that life? It doesn't make any sense. So why do we do it too? Because I am Gomer sometimes. And I would be willing to bet that sometimes you all are Gomer too. We know where our security lies. We know where our provision comes from. We know where we are fulfilled. Yet off we go. Chasing our own selfish, sinful desires. Or just like those Israelites, bowing down to our own kinds of idols. Mine is productivity. I'll go ahead and confess that to you all tonight. Because the Lord has made that abundantly clear. In my life, it's something that I'm working through. Maybe confessing it will help. Um, Productivity is an idol in my life. I like to wake up in the morning, and I like to get the get the ball rolling. We're gonna we're gonna pack the lunches. We're gonna go through the notebooks. Get the kids dressed for school. We're gonna make all the beds because all the beds got to be made. So we're gonna make those. We got to get some laundry in and going. We're gonna get the house all picked up because heaven forbid somebody show up on a day that nobody's ever gonna show up and in the house have a bed that is not made. So we got to get all that done. And then we're gonna go to the office and we're gonna send our emails. We're gonna do social media and we're gonna make sure everyone's taken care of and the responsibilities are done. And then we're gonna pick up the kids. We're going to get the kids and we're going to run them to all their things that they have because kids have things. So we're going to run them to their things and then we're going to come home, we're going to eat dinner and then we're going to make sure everybody's bathed and showered and then we're going to get everybody to bed. And if we're in bed and everything is done, I'm going to feel happy and I'm going to feel good. But if everything is not done, I'm going to feel anxious. I'm going to feel worried. I'm going to be irritable to my husband. I'm going to be irritable to my children because I want it all done. 
productivity is an idol in my life because it makes my emotions go from here to here based on it. Look at your life. What controls your emotions like that? What, what makes them go up good and come down hard? What is it for you? Because the emotions are a big red flag for whatever that idol is. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a relationship. And if things are good, you're good. If things are bad, you are bad. Look at where your emotions lie. Maybe it's money or success. We would never say it's money or success, right? But we spend so much of our lives chasing after it, wanting the newest and the best and the most expensive, bowing down to the idols of a nicer house, a higher-paying job, nicer car, thinking that somehow those things are going to provide within us some sort of contentment. Maybe it's your family. We idolize how our families are perceived by the world around us, like our kids' sports accomplishments, their grades, our husband's success, our trophy wife image that we like to fake on social media. And we idolize these things, and honestly, maybe going pretty good. But then you wonder why when you go to bed at night, you still feel like this emptiness gnawing inside of you. Ten years ago, may have been my appearance, not so much an issue anymore, but it can be our appearance, as silly as that sounds. Like, if I could just lose this 10 pounds, that'd be it. If I could just stick to this gym membership, if I could just get a cuter wardrobe like hers, then I would finally feel good about myself. Then I would finally feel confident again, and we just bow down to the idol of self-image. But maybe, I had to consider, maybe with Gomer it wasn't, wasn't an idol at all. Maybe it was grief. Maybe maybe she just couldn't see herself as deserving of the life that she now had. She was still so wrapped up in who she used to be that she couldn't accept that that's not who she was anymore. So she chose to go down this path of self-destruction because she didn't think she deserved any better. Y'all, I've been there. And I have counseled so many women who sadly are still battling that. The Lord has redeemed them from who they once were, but they still see themselves that same way. And so they don't step up in ministry. They don't speak about the Lord publicly. They don't serve in that way because they're too worried that somebody who knew them before is going to be like, that's not who they are. And half of the time they're convinced that they're not sure of who they are either. Look, God has already redeemed you from that life. He's already made you new again. Don't go down the path of self-sabotaging. He paid too much to redeem you out of that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's true. That's the word of God. And the truth is, Gomer didn't deserve Hosea. Just like you and I don't deserve the steadfast faithfulness of the Lord. But love makes you do crazy things. And God is love. He is love. So he goes again to find us. Just like he asked Hosea to go again. And Hosea went. Let's pick up where we left off. Hosea chapter 3. We're now going to read verses 2 and 3 together. Two verses this time. Hosea is speaking. He says, So I bought her 
for 15 shekels of silver and about an omer and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or intimate with any man, and I will live with you. Anybody else feel like she got off really easy there? Like, Hosea bought back his wife for the price of a common slave. Somehow she had sold herself into slavery because, y'all, that is what sin does. It starts off when we think we're in control of it. And the next thing you know, it is in control and we are not. We start off swiping that card. It's easy. We can even swipe it this way on our phone. We can swipe it this way and this way. And we start off and we're in control. We've got this. Just getting, our kids need some, need some new shoes. I'm going to swipe. And the next thing we know, we are not in control anymore. It is controlling us. And it's putting hardships on our marriage. It's putting hardships on our families. That is what sin does. It enslaves. It entangles. Maybe it's our mouths. Ooh. We start off with like, I'm not going to go into this situation and gossip. I'm not going to go into this situation and gossip. I'm not going to go into them. The next thing we know, we thought we were in control of it, and it was in control of us. Rick Keller always said, sin takes you further than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want to stay. And that is so true. It easily entangles. And then it makes us feel worthless. Like there's nothing that we can do to break free from it. And that's true too. Just like Gomer needed Hosea to come and rescue her, we need Jesus. We need our Redeemer to come and break us free from the sin that so easily enslaves and entangles us. We need a Redeemer. And the good news is we have one. And he is love. He is love. And just like Hosea probably went from door to door, knocking, looking for Gomer, bracing himself for what he was going to find behind every door, ready for his heart to just shatter into a million pieces as he knocked, and as he knocked again, and as he kept looking for, unsure of what he was going to find, heartbroken, humiliated, but he sought her out, sought her out, yet he was searching for her and pursuing her. Our Redeemer, he does the same thing for us, right? He does the same thing for us. Maybe tonight you came in here and you didn't even see the chains that were all around you. You, you weren't even aware you had pushed all that to the side because of all of these things that you were chasing. It made you blind to them. Let me tell you, you may not have realized it, but he's been pursuing you. He has been chasing you down. He has been knocking on all of those doors, trying to show you that those things that you're chasing after, they're only going to leave you feeling empty. And he keeps searching, and he keeps searching until he finds your heart. He comes to rescue you. Maybe you're in here tonight, and you love someone who is entangled by sin. And, And you're praying for them, and... And you're heartbroken that they've taken the path that, that they're going down. Man, tonight I hope you find comfort in the fact that he is searching for them too. Moms, if you have a wayward child who has chosen to go their own way and it's starting to look hopeless, know that he is knocking down the doors in their life. That he is searching for them too. 
And he is love. So he doesn't stop and he keeps going. He does the same thing for us. And when he finds us, he does pretty much what Hosea does. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He shows us mercy and he shows us grace. Hosea was like, look, Gomer, you are mine. I am yours. Stay faithful to me. I'll stay faithful to you. Remain in my love. This is where you find contentment. This is where you find purpose. This is where you find fulfillment. Y'all, you are worth so much more to him than 15 shekels and a lethic of barley. Like, he went to Calvary and the cross for your heart. There were no depths that he would not go for you. That is how much he loves you. He is love. And he is faithful. Even when we break our covenant with him, he restores it. Worship team, you all can come up. I don't want to close with this. So last night, the Lord kind of flipped the script on me. Like I told you, my plan was to come in here and talk about Gomer. I wanted to look at the perspective of Gomer and those of us who are maybe chasing after other things and the Lord is coming to pursue us. And, and I believe that may be the case for some of us tonight. But the Lord flipped the script on me last night and I really feel like he was saying to my heart, yeah, there may be some people who are in some Gomer stages of their life right now. But there are also some ladies in there that I'm calling to be Hosea. And I'm asking them to go again. To go again to that person who let you down so bad. To go again to the one that betrayed you. To go again to the one who was unfaithful to you. I'm asking you to go again. And I understand that there are boundaries we put in our lives. And I understand that sometimes those are good and healthy. And if God has told you to put a boundary into your life, listen to him and not me. But here's the thing. Sometimes we put boundaries in our own life that he did not ask us to put there. Or maybe it was supposed to be there for a season, but it's not anymore. And I feel strongly in my heart that that God is asking some of us in here to go again. Go again to the one that hurt you. Go again to the one that let you down. Go again. Dallas talked about, on Sunday, he talked about anger. And he talked about fury and bitterness that sows seeds in our heart. It was such a good message. But I don't think it's coincidence that this message follows that message. Maybe you heard that Sunday and you were like, man, I needed that. I need to let go of that anger. I need to let go of that bitterness. And tonight God's following it up with, all right, now go again. Go again. We talked about on Sunday that the radical love of Jesus can change the trajectory of someone's life. You know what's radical? Going to someone who hasn't even said they're sorry yet. Going to someone who doesn't even deserve it and showing them the radical love of Jesus and offering them reconciliation. That is radical and that can change the trajectory of someone's life. And through doing that, I'm 100% confident that you will come to know the heart of God in a deeper way than you have before. 
you will come to know the depths of his love and his humility and his sacrifice in a way that you haven't known him before. And then you will be able to communicate it effectively because you will have lived through it intensely. Man, he will strengthen you to do that. If he's calling you to be Hosea tonight, obey him. Obey him. He will use it in a powerful way. You all can stand up. If there's anything you need to pray about, you can do that tonight. This altar is open, but I'm going to close us in prayer before we worship together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is still so applicable to us today. Father, I pray for the Gomer tonight. One of us that that you've been searching for our heart. God, we are so easily drawn away from you. God, I pray that you would would come after us hard and fast. And God, that we would run to your arms tonight. And God, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that you are where we find our purpose. You are where we find our satisfaction and our contentment. And God, I pray for the one who is Hosea. The one who can't bear the thought of going again. God, I pray that you would strengthen And I pray that through the radical sacrifice of love, God, that you would bring an abundance of fruit and that they would come to know your heart in a deeper way. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.